This is episode number eight with environmentalist and fellow Bitsian Divya Navale. couple of quotes I want to share with you in this episode. This is from Gary Sukaf. Scarcity of self-value cannot be remedied by money, recognition, affection, attention, or influence. That's a game changer. Scarcity of self-value cannot be remedied by money, recognition, affection, attention, or influence. Think about that for a second. Don't allow your self-value to be attached to any of those things that is going to hold you down in a big way. And this was from Alan Cohen. To love yourself right now just as you are is to give yourself heaven. Don't wait until you die. If you wait, you die now. If you love, you live now. Wow, we're waiting so much. We're waiting for the recognition, the affection, the attention, the influence to bring us self-value. And if you're waiting, we die. Wow, both of these uh, quotes for me went perfectly today. I met Divya for the first time when she came to deliver her talk uh, in Metanoia, which is an event uh, in which Bitsians that have done something incredible and completely different from engineering share their life experiences and their journey. So uh, I was really intrigued by her story and coincidentally I met her in Bitsa Global Meet 2020 which uh, just happened a week ago and I had to talk with her and uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get some time with her and shoot this episode. In this episode I was joined with Pranav Bhile who is a friend of mine and he was super excited to meet her. So this is an episode in which we both uh, talk with her about how she developed her passion for environmental change, you know, climate change and stuff. And uh, let me know what you think about it. Uh, you can reach me out on social media, uh, on Instagram and stuff at Ishan Sharma 7390 and also you can reach out uh, Divya Navale at I am Echo Diva. Uh, that is I-A-M-E-C-O-D-I-V-A. All right, enough of me talking. Now let's get on with the podcast episode. Hello, Devya. Thank you so much for coming into for this podcast episode. Uh, how do you feel about this Bitsa Global Meet right now? It's been amazing. Um, so I uh, actually came to Bitsgoa last year in August for Metanoia. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like I know the campus already. Yeah. I know a lot of people, uh, especially interacting with the same students who were like, you know, so nice and mm-hmm. so hospitable to me like last time when I came. So mm-hmm. it was amazing to kind of reconnect with them and also uh, to be able to like experience the whole uh, Bitsa Global Meet. My first uh, BGM was in the Hyderabad campus in 2014. Mm-hmm. So it already gave me a sense of what to expect and how the event would be like and Mm. everything and I would say that it has been amazing just in general literally everyone here is like an entrepreneur co-founder or something um yes you can look at it that way yeah. but at the end of the day we are all here because we have a common like mm. you know underlying, underlying uh, yeah. connector like you know, the, the bits in spirit that is what drives us mm. and the fact that we're here just to come yeah. you know just have some fun and interact with fun, people yeah. yeah and meet people and exactly that's like that's long what time we're no here for yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact i mean yes of course we probably you know all done something but the whole idea is that we also get to learn what you know 
what others are doing you know to mm-hmm. also network with each other so bgm in itself is like a networking event that's mm-hmm. what yeah it's it, like a huge bits networking exactly. event exactly and then and the whole idea is that we should also be able to network with students correct mm-hmm. students that's yeah. the reason why they're doing it on a campus uh-huh. yeah they share their cards exactly like, you, you can contact me only <laughs> exactly that's the point right yeah <laughs> that's how we met like yeah. we, we spoke about mm-hmm. it and we connected right yeah. yeah and by meeting people i mean like you traveled all seven continents so how were your interaction with people there like was there a language barrier or like you were like free with them or something um so of course travel is uh, you know something that everybody wants to do but you know it has its issues um yes language is a barrier in some places but you know the more global we get mm-hmm. it's quite easy to um a lot of people speak english now yeah right and b is that you have so many apps mm-hmm. to just like download Google translate and, and stuff Use Translate, but mm. also you have Duolingo. You have Duolingo, like yeah. you know, I'm. I mean, I'm like how many languages you know right now? Right now, <laughs> well, I'm not good in like how to speak like all languages, okay, okay. Yeah. but I know a little bit of Spanish. I speak a little bit of Bahasa Indonesian. Wow, I can mm. also. you know converse like basic uh, you know like how to order food and uh, you okay. know just tell the yeah. taxi guy directions mm-hmm. in tagalog which is in philippines where i'm currently living <laughs> so you learn a little bit of everything mm-hmm. in fact now when i i i fly thai airways a lot mm-hmm. so you know like i also uh, stayed in thailand for a little bit for yeah. for a huge workshop i was there for more than 2 weeks mm-hmm. so i learned the local language there just to get around and interact and now when i travel thai airways i'm actually talking thai i'm looking forward mm-hmm. to always getting yeah. down at the airport and talk- <laughs> a little bit of thai and people be confused like yeah, oh, she's actually good, yeah. talking, to, talking to me in thai mm-hmm. you know it's really nice um definitely people understand english but f- find it more um kind of uh, connected mm-hmm. if you mention even if you're a little bit yeah. of local language, <laughs> local language. able to connect yes. with you better yes and you don't need to be able to converse fully mm-hmm. just a couple words just say mm-hmm. like hello thank you how are you yeah. that's it the mm-hmm. basics and people just get so they understand that they respect their culture and their indeed mm-hmm. yeah exactly that's 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 one thing i like about travel as well because yeah. you know it's not that hard to communicate mm-hmm. these days definitely not So you were traveling since like you were small. Funny story, yes. Uh, I recently happened to even look at my childhood pictures <laughs> when I was home on yeah. uh, in uh, on Christmas Day. Um, even if you check my Instagram, there's mm-hmm. a story section which says yeah. childhood. Childhood. So I, <laughs> in my first two years, um, there are pictures of me at Goa. Rameshwaram and uh, Chennai, mm-hmm. like the whole temple area. Um, then uh, Taj Mahal. Masuri, hmm. um, and uh, Rishikesh. Yeah, um, I, I I've been there. Yeah, all these places. So if I'm I'm and I'm just a baby, and mm-hmm. you know, like my mom and dad did so much travel with me as a baby. Yeah. So it's like I saw the ocean when I was like less than one <laughs> years old. <laughs> I I have a Taj Mahal pictures of you know me wow. in my mom's uh, arms like trying yeah, to hold the top. Yeah, that posture. Yes, the <laughs> typical posture. Yeah. I have all those pictures when mm-hmm. I was just one one and a half years old. Okay, and okay. then there's a picture of me in mountains. There's a picture of me in the oceans mm-hmm. as a baby. So you know, like so I joke like my mom also jokes about it. that i think we traveled so much with you as a baby that that's where <laughs> yeah. it all came from yeah uh, but also like when my brother was born also i don't think they traveled as much you know with mm. two kids probably it was harder mm-hmm. so i got the advantage of it yeah um but uh, i would say that i have always been uh, quite nomadic in that sense mm-hmm. since i moved to pilani yeah um i started taking like you know 
train on my own when mm-hmm. i was like 17 18 i started taking trains by my own long journeys to delhi oh, yeah. um and then of course the metro uh, was there yeah that helped a lot <laughs> no the metro was not there the delhi was metro was not there then oh, i'm talking okay. about 2004 5 Two th- okay yeah yeah so there was no metro was, then there was no metro, no mm-hmm. metro then so in fact uh, i used to take a 28 long uh, hour long train oh, from okay. hyderabad to delhi So I'm talking alone. about alone. Alone, I've alone. taken it alone. Yes. <laughs> and after that 24-hour cycle, it gets really irritating. It takes 32 hours to reach Pilani. 32 hours. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you have traveled in India lots. How many languages do you know about uh, uh, in Indian India? languages? Yes. I'm actually Maharashtrian, mm-hmm. uh, so I speak Marathi at home. But I was born in Hyderabad, so I speak Telugu as well. Both my Marathi and Telugu are. okay mm-hmm. they're not e- extraordinary i've been through that, that kind of a life of <laughs> nomadic life yeah, like yeah. i've uh, traveled across india like yes yeah. my father has a weird way of changing companies i don't oh. know why he does that that's every single good. year yeah he he gets raises yeah. uh, so that's good yeah. for him but yeah. not so much for me yeah. i make a lot of friends everywhere i go back so right. that's, that's good yeah you realize it uh, when you grow older you have friends everywhere yeah. and then you have opportunities to connect them connect with them much more mm-hmm. and i think your perspective Uh, broadens broadens a lot when you have all these experiences mm-hmm. you cannot tell when it's happening but much later you realize that but i would say my travel really really started um i mean when i was in my early 20s mm-hmm. i'd never gone abroad until i was 22 so 22 was when i went abroad for the first time and then by 27 which uh, country was that I went to UK. UK. And then by 27 I touched all seven continents. Oh, wow. It was like within 4 years or <laughs> four something. Years. Within 4 years all was done and in fact I had already touched 6 by 2012. Talking about your beginnings. So it took me 2 two, two years to complete uh, the last. Talking month. about your beginnings, what do you think is like the uh, the point where you discovered that this is just not your passion like mechanical engineering mm-hmm. in Vishwa? What was the point? Uh, I would have to say it was in Pilani campus only. Mm. Um, so I started off with NSS, the National Service Scheme. Mm. I used to go and teach kids after school. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually Nirman. Nirman was was started in Pilani during my time only. Okay. So the the uh, founders of Nirman, mm. both co-founders, they are my seniors. Okay. Nice. So when they founded Nirman, I initially I started going there, mm-hmm. and I was really attracted to it. But being a dance clubber, mm-hmm. I just couldn't devote time to it. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I was always uh, thinking that you know it has to be either dance or yeah. it has to be <laughs> social service or something in the social okay. space. Mm-hmm. That these were the two things that I already had in mind. But in my head, it was like okay, I'll get uh, you know I'll graduate, probably work in a good job for a few years, mm-hmm. set, you know settle a bit, then do this, you know, mm-hmm. because I came from a very typical middle class family yeah. it wasn't the most uh, you know enterprising thought for my parents to think that i would be you know a full time dancer they 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 weren't able to afford me dance classes when i was a kid so for me to tell them that i will do this after mm-hmm. the investing like so much in yeah. me to go to bits pilani mm-hmm. it would be tough right yeah. so having said that i love dancing so much in fact um, i've continued dancing i'm i'm still um i mean i haven't performed now in like almost two uh, two years but okay. i definitely think i want to get back mm-hmm. to it um i'm always taking classes i'm always trying to improve uh, what forms of dances do you do so i've dabbled in over 15 dance forms oh. <laughs> uh but and i have performed uh, everything in latin ballroom space like salsa mm-hmm. bachata merengue 
Uh, I've done performances uh, in uh, classical, mainly Kathak. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you have to make me choose, I would think of uh, myself more as a classical, Indian classical dancer. Nice. But I'm also a, a Latin ballroom dancer. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, tell me a little about how did you meet uh, Robert Robert Swan, Swan. Obey. <laughs> um, so it's OBE. O-B-E. His title OBE means the Order of British Empire. It's mm-hmm. a title, uh, I mean, honor given to him by the Queen mm-hmm. of England. Um, and then uh, because he's a polar explorer, yeah, um, he touched the both the yes. poles, north yes. and south. He's the first person in the world to walk mm-hmm. to both, both the south pole and north pole. And by walking, it means actually, actually, like. like Walking, walking to the pole, which is like in uh, in the south, is like 900 miles uh, in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And in the Arctic, it was 600 miles. So oh. he's, he's done a lot of world record holder. He's the Guinness World Record holder. He's in the books. books yeah, yeah. Um, He's the author also of a book. He's author of a couple of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he has his biography as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called My Quest to Save Antarctica, 2041. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I met him, very interesting story. I was actually randomly just like uh, trying to write a... What um, year was it? This was 2009. 2009. I was trying to write an article for kids because I was a freelancer with the Hindu mm-hmm. at that time. I used to What was that era writing. like? Like uh, that just cra- crashed? Oh so yeah, what the recession. The... Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, it wasn't as bad as, you know, people mm-hmm. look at it because yeah. of course, yes... People lost a lot of jobs in the financial sector, the banking, mm-hmm. and you know that space. Uh, and the, you know, definitely things were slower. I mean, but to a normal person who's like probably you know a student or someone, it it's not. It wasn't as bad as it mm-hmm. was painted. Like okay. the picture was not as bad. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so going back, I was writing this article in the Hindu newspaper for uh, kids um, about Earth Hour. Earth Hour. Earth Hour that happens every March. Mm. Um, where you turn off the lights for one hour. Yeah. yeah? Okay. <laughs> so that, when I was writing about it, I was just Googling stuff and suddenly out of nowhere, I saw this, you know, uh, website. Okay. Which said that we're looking to take young champions to Antarctica. Mm. And I thought it was a little far-fetched mm. <laughs> because this was the era when, yeah. this was pre-Facebook. Pre-Facebook. Yeah. And oh. uh, if you know something called Orkut, yeah, it yeah, existed. Yeah, okay. it, was the, it was no, it was all the phase where Orkut was too frustrating and everybody had mm. quit. Yeah. But there was also nobody on Facebook. Mm. So it was this in between phase. Communication gaps and And stuff. yeah, I couldn't just randomly call on Skype and even check if that number is real. Nothing. <laughs> so I wrote an email saying, Hey, I would be interested. Have you ever taken girls from India? They said, I've never taken girls from India. I'm okay. gonna take you. Okay. Was, and Roberts one himself wrote to me saying that you know, I would be interested to take you, tell me what you've done. So Mm. I talked about my work in the NSS Nirman. And Mm -hmm. more recently, when I was in Hyderabad, after I graduated, I was with Infosys and I was working very closely with Sudhamurthy Foundation and we did a lot of tree plantations. Wow. How many trees did you plant? Uh, I would say say roughly we uh, planted around like 600, 700 trees in a period of like two, three months. Mm. Sonam Mangchuk would be very much happy. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. He's my biggest hero and I've been twice to Ladakh and I'm, you know, it's my most favorite place on the planet, Mm. not Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) The third pole. Yeah, the third pole, yes. And I'll talk about third pole education base that I've also set up. I don't know if you remember in Metanoia, I talked about um, my mm-hmm. trips to Ladakh with Robert Swan as yeah, well. Yeah, we I remember. Yeah. Yes. So um, I would say that um, it was just the small things I'd done, mm-hmm. which I didn't think were significant enough. 
But once I told them that, hey, I've even the whole point I found you is that I was writing an article for kids yeah. in Young World, mm-hmm. the Hindu. If you remember, the Young World supplement yeah, they, used to come with the weekly Hindu. Weekly supplement. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I used to write for that. And so they were like, you are doing smaller things. Yeah. And we are looking for people like you mm-hmm. who can now take it to the next level. Okay. And you don't realize you're doing these things. <laughs> you're just following your passion. And mm. then suddenly somebody gives you an opportunity. So that, that's how it just simply worked. So I knew my passion was something in social impact or like, you know, just working for a foundation, mm. doing something good for the planet, maybe. Mm. But it wasn't like environment specific or climate change. It didn't happen until actually I got on to the, um, you know, the ship to mm-hmm. go to Antarctica. Yeah. I was 23 years old 23. and I was like... You just uh, graduated, right? I had graduated in 2007, so two years later. Okay. Two years okay. later, I was on... Like, I was working with Infosys, like mm-hmm. I told you, at that point of time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And for me to just get sponsorship, because that never had taken an Indian girl, so they were like, they found me uh, sponsorship from like big companies mm-hmm. in Europe. In fact, I had the opportunity to go to Europe and actually talk to these people um about why they should be investing in indian um you know girls mm-hmm. and why they should be um doing more on climate change yeah um so after that i had you know i'd never had to look back i had found a clear purpose mm-hmm. and i was very driven but again in that space i wanted to like um know what i wanted to do but i didn't have a clear path so it took me a while to finally come to saying that okay climate policy is the biggest way to make an impact yeah and i would be able to develop that skill set mm-hmm. you know somebody else might not have the resources for it etc etc i have the resources i have you know i have the capability to develop those skills and get there so you know a slow process of like discovering and rediscovering myself eventually mm-hmm. like so how many fields did there. you try in like i heard that you were in that anti-depression stuff and all, all that also yes so <laughs> <laughs> that's more of a personal cause um so Uh, My story is that I actually, by the age of 27, I'd been to all seven continents. Yeah. yeah. Then at the age of 28, I fell in depression due to some personal circumstances. All right. And so it's not Mm achievement-based. There's so many people who achieve so much in life and yet feel empty Mm -hmm. because of circumstances. They don't have true happiness from the inside. Yeah. And I'm not saying I was not truly happy when I went to all seven (laughs) continents. I was absolutely happy. In fact, when I went to Egypt, that was my last continent when mm-hmm. I went to Africa. Mm-hmm. It took me two years to go to Africa. <laughs> two but years? I, yeah, no, the funny part Where do you live is, in so between the fa- that the time? The thing is, I have never traveled for the sake of travel. I was okay. never like bucket list ki, chalo, abhi satwa continent baj gaya, let's go do it. <laughs> two years. It took okay. me two years to get from sixth continent to the seventh continent. And the seventh continent, I got sponsored as a sustainable travel ambassador from mm-hmm. G Adventures, which is a Canadian company. Okay. They sent me to Egypt mm-hmm. to actually do sustainable tourism and do a whole media campaign with them wow. so it I, was never like i will go oh mere 29 countries ho gaye main 30th ke liye travel ke liye abhi main ticket book karungi aisa kabhi kiya hi nahi hai i've okay. never i've probably taken vacations mm-hmm. so i will take vacations once a year people yeah. people probably think i take vacation all the time i don't my first ever solo travel was to bali when i moved to jakarta how is bali like Bali is amazing. The greenery. So, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I would definitely recommend people to go there. But I mean, go in the off season probably because it's too crowded as <laughs> yeah. well. Uh, but what I'm saying is that I have never uh, traveled for the sake of travel. Mm-hmm. I think what I personally believe is that uh, what, you know, three idiots say is like, you know, <laughs> um, what is that saying? You know it? Uh, the, the thing that they say at the end. 
पैशन and somehow through that passion it has taken me places okay. so i whenever people ask me like how how do you travel so much i'd be like that's because i am passionate about my work and i want to make that much impact so that's how i end up going there mm-hmm. i've been to arctic i've seen the northern lights yeah. i've been the auroras the aurora aurora aurora, aurora borealis <laughs> i've aurora seen yes yeah, yeah. so i've seen it in iceland and i've uh, does it actually and I, look and like I went, and i went to iceland not for a vacation i actually okay. went there for the arctics uh, arctic circle mm-hmm. which which is basically the parliament of all the arctic countries coming together yeah amazing so it's always been like you know you can say sustainably focused travel or impact based travel mm-hmm. when i went to egypt i ensured like with with g adventures they made a made sure that we stay at like local fa- with families mm-hmm. and then have a, you know food with kids ah, that would, that must be that amazing very you know like community experience okay. so i've always craved for those kind of experiences and and you know like i said mm-hmm. i waited 2 years to have that and i would have never imagined it would come to me in such an amazing way and i really feel really grateful that i waited that long to actually do something you must have made some great connections over there exactly so. i did i did and so funny but one of my best friends now she is egyptian mm-hmm. i met her in indonesia yeah. we lived together as roommates also for a while and to be honest like now i have reasons to go back to egypt <laughs> 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 so you know making friends everywhere and you know having these opportunities that i think that's what inspires me to do more and um, travel just happens to be a side effect Mm-hmm. So what was the reason for you to go again to Antarctica for the so second I, time? So when uh when the first time I went as a participant and okay. I have been part of uh, the 2041 foundation ever mm-hmm. since as a volunteer uh pro bono sometimes you know what's pro bono? No, I don't know. Pro bono means as a volunteer okay. for free mm-hmm. like you know and as a paid employee as well. Okay. And I've taken on like you know month long Mm-hmm. projects with them to consult them those are paid or unpaid it doesn't matter what i'm trying to say is that i've been a part of 2041 foundation mm-hmm. i've been a part of the family for a long time um and at that point in time i just had a window of opportunity to go back to antarctica again because you know getting on an expedition is a, a different thing as compared to just like sitting at home and you know yeah just looking at <laughs> exactly right mm-hmm. so uh and plus by the way uh if you ever uh, want to uh, really go to antarctica look up drake's passage drake's passage drake's passage is the most turbulent ocean in the world mm-hmm. sea rather it's the turbulent part of the sea is where atlantic and pacific meet okay and if this is the globe right mm-hmm. so think of this as the globe okay. i don't know okay this is a better <laughs> representation of the globe so if you are in drake passage yeah. it's the only space around this whole circumference There is absolutely no land. Oh. So that's why it's the most turbulent ocean part of the ocean in the whole world. So if you're uh, somebody in the navy, you're a sailor. Mm-hmm. There would be like unless you face the Drake, you're not a true sailor. <laughs> And I was so seasick the first time I went. I thought yeah. I will die. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't handle the seasickness. How does it feel like to travel on a cruise for such long duration? It's not a cruise. 
It's a Russian icebreaker ship. Okay, icebreaker. When you go to Antarctica, ah. there's no cruise. There's no cruise. It's not a cruise liner. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's not comfortable. All right. You don't have like fancy beds and okay. you don't have like, you know, five. Yeah. I mean, you do have buffet lunches mm-hmm. and everything, but you don't have like a fancy entertainment mm-hmm. program like you see. In the tropical that we see. Exactly. Those amazing. It's not like the Mediterranean <laughs> cruise or like a Thailand cruise. It's not like that. Okay. Um, this is a very hardcore functional Russian icebreaker. Well, the one's first one I went was Russian, but you know, not mm-hmm. not all of them are Russian. <laughs> uh, the icebreaker ships they have this um, kind of uh, functionality where even if you get stuck in the ice overnight, mm-hmm. it can break through break the through ice, the oh. at least some thickness. So, so you, it's not like the Titanic. <laughs> um, Titanic had the features, but it didn't work that. But way. it, yeah. but just basically, it hit an iceberg, mm-hmm. so it couldn't do couldn't. anything. Yeah, it's the icebreaker are for that like level. Exactly. Ice. Yeah. So you needed a lot of passion and hard work for this. Uh, so what was your motivation behind that? My motivation? Um, I don't know. I, I'm a very conscious driven person. I think, um, you know, it, it's the word is cons- conscientious. Conscientious. Yeah. Which means that, you know, if you ask me to do something, I'll do it. Like, okay. you know, okay. or if I have given you my word that I will do it, mm-hmm. I will do anything to fulfill it. I think integrity is one thing mm-hmm. that if you are passionate and have integrity, you can achieve anything. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that comes naturally to me mm-hmm. in some way. But also secondly, like I said, I explored a lot. Mm-hmm. I did not stop. Like, you know, there was some point I was like, should I become a full-time dancer? Should I just go against my parents? And like, yeah. you know. What do, you, what do your parents say about you? Like, what are mm-hmm. they? They think? had a very hard time during my mid-twenties. Okay. Where uh, they were like, why are you doing this? What are you going to get? I mean. <laughs> just get a job. Get, get a, a secure job. I yeah. mean, they knew I had a job. Mm-hmm. I was earning almost like, you know, on par with uh, some of the um mechanical engineers let's yeah. not compare it to like <laughs> you software, know, engineers. software engineers okay. or like triple engineers mm-hmm. but um in my mid-20s i was earning on par with like uh, other mechanical engineer graduates mm-hmm. but i was doing csr and sustainability which wasn't mainstream so mm-hmm. people found it diff- like people found it difficult to understand what i'm really doing mm-hmm. and my parents also couldn't explain like if you if my pa- my parents would tell oh yeah she's working with this company on sustainability they'd be like what is sustainability <laughs> they understand software yeah. everybody understands software exactly so i would tell them i tell them i'm working on environmental uh, program okay yeah. then they would be like why environmental program does it pay well uh-huh. you know they'll ask 100 <laughs> yeah. questions yeah. <laughs> so my parents had a hard time then uh, but my dad has, uh, he's a PhD. He's educated himself on climate change so much in the last few years. Reading a lot on the internet. Do you like to read books? Oh, I love reading books, yeah. So on, on sustainability, you must have read a lot of books. Like Bill Gates reads a lot of books on sustainability. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've read a lot of books on sustainability, but sometimes I avoid that and I try to read other stuff just so that I, it's not the only thing yeah. I'm thinking about. It's like monotonous. Um, it gets, yeah, it gets monotonous. For original so. ideas and like something. <laughs> No, I mean, there's a lot of uh, ideas to learn, even from what's already, like, for example, what Sonam Wangchuk is doing, Hmm. right? I had no idea he's doing all this stuff, though I have Hmm. watched some of his videos and things like that. Like the ice sculpture thing, I knew about it, but to see it for real, you know? He's done so much, but he's he's still so humble and the way he talks, like, 
it's it's amazing yeah i agree yeah really amazing uh robert swan is like that also in yeah. person like oh oh um he's amazing uh mm. when you meet him he he will sit with you and listen to what you're saying mm-hmm. i think what he says two things are very important to him one is time okay if you're even one minute late mm. he'll walk out of the meeting okay he's very british like that mm-hmm. british. um but uh, <laughs> what he why why he thinks that is because you you have to value someone's time immensely yeah. but once you are in the room mm-hmm. if you come on time mm. he'll give you undivided attention wow so giving the time mm-hmm. and the listening to a person i think he says that that makes all the difference that's mm-hmm. how you create importance and give value to the person so that's one key takeaway i've had from him amazing as uh, talking uh, about sustainability yeah. uh, what do you think are there some of the recent uh, g- great developments that are happening in the industry or by people around the world in sustainability yeah um, or climate change what are the, some of the governments are doing um i really like uh, what's happening uh, especially in uh, the circular economy space like you know the concept of circular economy Hmm. where earlier we used to say reduce reuse recycle mm-hmm. now it's like you know you first you refuse yeah. reduce <laughs> reuse recycle yeah. but now there's not even re- uh, recycle there's it goes beyond to repair repair and bring it back so, mm-hmm. there are like 7 hours now right yes first, previously there were 3 now three, now there's 7 like i oh. used this in my presentation yeah, if you remember, yeah, remember in my metanoia yeah, yeah, i said yeah. no more 3 hours no go more, to no the 7 hours. hours so repair rot all those things mm-hmm. right yeah. so for me i think i'm really happy to you know just you know feel that that is where we are like you know where we are reusing things and you know like repairing them mm-hmm. fixing things yeah. i think a lot of the culture what has happened was sing- with single use plastic was used and through mm-hmm. used and through used and through that mentality and that mentality it it does affect our personalities mm-hmm. how we do and what we do affects our personalities and i think the fact that we are going back to something called repair mm-hmm. reuse yeah. and you know refurbish or whatever you want to call <laughs> it and bring it back into the system yeah. it kind of changes our perception towards a lot of things as well so mm-hmm. that really inspires me in the sustainability space secondly the paris agreement is very new yeah. by the way mm-hmm. it was um it was an agreement in 2015 mm. it was ratified as a treaty in 2016 mm. people have to ratify then it becomes a treaty yeah. right an agreement becomes a treaty mm-hmm. so since that treaty has also come into place there's a lot of planning okay there's so many plans that let's do this let's do that let's mm-hmm. do this let's do that and i'm really what about the execution on those plans the execution will happen over the next decade okay. and that's what i'm very excited about mm-hmm. that's new that's the new part a lot of planning has happened mm. and we cannot fail the execution phase that is what i'm excited about in talking about all this international stuff what do you plan on doing in india like re- reaching those rural people in mm. villages and stuff uh i don't want to spend too much time saying this but it is already happening i am working with nirman um as one of their uh, global action leadership uh, council members um and we're focusing on sdg 13 which is climate action and we are going to do a bunch of csr programs where i have already conducted trainings for employees mm-hmm. 
for as a part of that employee engagement CSR program where we talk to the employees that you take up climate action and then the employees are accountable to go and engage with kids in schools mm-hmm. to do two things one is plant trees plant trees and the second is to do recycling Mm-hmm. and the corporate will facilitate you know providing the capital cost for trees Resources. as well as doing the uh, digital waste management for the recycling mm-hmm. so i'm engaging at least the hyderabad chapter of nirman mm-hmm. like the hyderabad uh, csr partners mm-hmm. so i'm already working with the founders uh, on that plan so yes i'm doing things in india at the grassroots level because i truly believe that kids are the ones who are going to save us from climate change they have to be aware of what's going on around the they world. are aware they let are me aware. let me let me be clear <laughs> they are more aware than you and i are oh they're very aware there's mm-hmm. a lot of awareness they don't know how okay so this is trying to meet that how part mm-hmm. of it uh, in recycling part like recycling in india would be like a really tedious job suppose like uh, if we are tell people to throw waste in three con- different containers like we do it in our mess in the start there was lack of implementation mm-hmm. so how do you plan on bringing it and reaching out to people like like they must actually do it like suppose if i planned on uh, separate segregating my waste but the dump uh, truck yeah. comes and he mixes them all yeah mm-hmm. so the thing is of course i mean that's also uh you know it's top down as well as bottom up yeah right on the top down side yes the government needs to have a national recycling program mm-hmm. that it can implement so that the point of us segregating our waste is actually beneficial that the you know government takes some authority to actually put it to implementation mm-hmm. you know take the wet waste to a biogas plant or co- you know like compost it or and take the recycling to a material recovery okay. facility where it can then become a part of circular economy or whatever but there's a huge lack of policy and you know implementation on that in that space so mm-hmm. we do need top down approach to work plus bottom up is mainly awareness how many of you actually you know if you recycle something mm-hmm. say for example the very simplest i'll tell you you got a yogurt cup yeah like god right it mm. comes in plastic mm. right do you wash it before you put it in the recycling bin no no but do you know that if it's not washed it's it's possibly going to contaminate the rest of the plastic that's in the bin making the whole batch of plastic in that bin at that moment not possibly be able to recycled i know it's like these small things are not you have to wash yeah, yeah. you have yeah. to wash your plastic so that it doesn't contaminate imagine somebody you know used a you know like paneer mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. there and it's so oily the mm-hmm. if you throw that oily stuff into the recycling bin you're contaminating the whole batch mm-hmm. people don't think about it but you have to be very very aware how you do it so these are things that you need at bottom bottom up approach mm-hmm. right awareness of what goes in what box like you know even within um recycling you know there's something called a single stream recycling mm-hmm. or you have multi stream recycling so it depends on what technology is available in what place so because yeah. for example i'll uh, tell you when i lived in pittsburgh it was a single stream recycling mm-hmm. so all of my recycling went into the same box mm-hmm. but there are other places if you go to germany it's not single stream recycling it's a multi stream recycling multi-stream. so you have to put aluminum separately from your plastic to your paper 
so mm. that everything goes to the right place that makes sense a lot right yeah so that's even le- even more efficient mm. it uses less energy because it doesn't have to separate things but it puts the onus on you mm. to actually segregate, segregate it properly it. so do you think that awareness will come to india it'll take time yeah it will take it really take time. it is a lot of behavior change mm-hmm. and that's the reason why there's a lot of focus on kids to do this yeah. because we as adults we have already our brain we have a different sort of mentality their mentality can mentality. be changed it's about your brain is already conditioned to certain uh, patterns, mm, patterns and you cannot form new habits easily yes you we can do the 21 automation. day thing yeah. to, you know change your habits yes but how much can you do it hmm. so that's why kids are the easiest you know like people to just train in this way and you know making them aware is hmm. the most uh low hanging fruit for the bottom up approach so yeah, so yeah so we need both to happen together in india especially so what what are the work that you're doing in the asian development bank so my current work is actually focused on uh, different things <laughs> uh somehow i ended up mostly in um, the energy sector mm-hmm. uh, which is i mean i guess as an engineer it made sense yeah. um so i work uh, mainly right now my projects are on rural allocation using uh, solar microgrids mm-hmm. um but also in the past like within adb my portfolio i had energy efficiency mm-hmm. so we were looking at like you know uh, led street lights and we if you yeah. you know adb looks at large scale plans so like mm-hmm. when we were looking at like the street lighting it was a multi city project mm-hmm. so we're looking at like 10000 20000 street lights replacing them mm-hmm. into more efficient led bulbs instead yeah. of those you know like warm yellow bulbs mm-hmm. which are not eco friendly at all mm-hmm. so how many emissions would that reduce that's the kind of projects that adb is always looking especially in the climate climate change space to reduce energy use mm-hmm. because the cleanest and safest energy is the energy you don't use mm, yeah exactly right mm. <laughs> nice thank you so much for coming for this episode uh you're welcome <laughs> i'm really really glad that we got this opportunity yeah and um if anyone had any questions you can always reach out to me on instagram yeah sure uh you can reach out to Divya Navale on uh, at the rate I am Eco Diva. Divya. I am Eco Diva. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for Thank joining. You. Thank, Thank you, Ashan. Thank you, Prana.